welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Awesome. So, so cool to see you all here this morning. Thanks for being at church. You know, church would not be the same without every one of you here. So, thank you. Hey, this morning I've um, called in my message, Stronger in Peace. Now, peace is just something that I believe that each one of us needs. You know, we need it a lot and we need a lot more of it. So, that's what we're calling today's message. So, I wonder, how do we view peace? Do we view it like, almost like a shadow? Something that is there, but not quite in our grasp. Have we got the slide there, guys, too? Something that's there and visible when the conditions are right. You know, on a lovely sunny day when everything's beautiful, but something that disappears when it's cold, when the clouds come along, when the sky is dark. Or do we view peace as something that we can live with every single day? Something that is in here, that's part of us. You know, living in the world that we do, we're surrounded by constant busyness, noise, things demanding our attention. And, you know, there's so many diff- different methods of communication around us all the time, like begging us to, to respond. You know, and in a time of, one, of uncertainties and what-ifs, it can be actually really hard to find peace, let alone, you know, live from that place of peace. So it's something that we really need to just go after and something that we need to become stronger in for ourselves I believe for our kids, for those people around us, and for our world. Um, And I I believe that we're called to be a people of light, you know, that is shining brightly to other people. And and part of this, I think, is living from a place of peace, that other people can see the peace that we carry. And it takes effort. It actually takes a conscious choice to do this. But ultimately, we cannot live from this place of peace without Jesus. He is our Prince of Peace. So today, let's talk about peace and that peace that's not determined by circumstances um, or even by our understanding, but by knowing God, by being centred on Jesus. And we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 4, a very cool story of Jesus calming the storm. So let's just read this together. This is an amplified version, just puts a few extra little words in to help explain it. On that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep, with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. And they woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we're about to die?' And he got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "'Hush, be still, be muzzled.'" And the wind died down as if it had grown weary. And there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith, no confidence in me? And they were filled with great fear and said to each other, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Very cool story. So I looked into this a little bit more and I found out that the Sea of Galilee is actually famous for sudden and severe storms just because of the way that the winds funnel through the um, passes and canyons around there Um, and it creates severe turbulence on the water. So as experienced fishermen, which most of the disciples were, they would have known that this would be a constant risk for them in their profession. So being the experienced guys that they were, I'm sure they would have been in lots of storms before. 
But for them to respond the way they did in this particular storm, I think it must have been pretty huge. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in a storm like that, I don't know if I'd be sleeping. And if I had been asleep, I'm sure I would wake up suddenly. Um, But Jesus manages to sleep through it. Um, And not only that, but when he's awoken, all he does is he just speaks peace to the environment that he's in, to the storm around him, and it stops. So how did Jesus keep sleeping? How did he speak to the storm? Why did he speak to the storm? And how do we live from that same place? So today I want to talk about four ways to help us become stronger in peace, kind of like four postures that we need to adopt um, and some keys around how to do this. And I want you to know I'm in no way saying that I have this sorted at all. Now, it's still a constant process for, um, for me as well, but becoming stronger in my peace is something that's been a big part of my journey. It's something that I've actually fought for. Um, and a lot of what I share today has just come from that process of just daily stepping into it, just daily choosing to keep stepping forward in peace. So the first posture we need to adopt, I believe, is the posture of receive, like this picture we've got here, handheld open. Peace is a gift that God gives us. Peace is what Jesus is all about. He is peace. He is our gift, and he is a gift to this world. Isaiah chapter 9 talks about this beautifully, and so I'll just read that to you. For to us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and of peace. Awesome verses, eh? Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's his promise for us. You know, the peace, the word peace here is the Hebrew word shalom, which means safe, well, happy, friendly. It implies welfare of health and prosperity. That's the kind of peace we want, eh? You know, so in order to truly receive peace, we need to open up ourselves to Jesus. We need to be ready to receive the gift that he is to us. And Jesus also said that he would leave peace with us. And um, John chapter 14 talks about this. He says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. So let's posture ourselves to receive this. Now, I love it when God just shows up and just fills us with that kind of peace that we just can't explain. And um, it always surprises me when I'm praying for someone who's going through a really tricky situation. And well, actually, it doesn't surprise me as much anymore, but it really used to. So they're in a really tough situation and you pray peace over them, pray God's presence over them and then ask them you know, how they're feeling. They say, I just feel so peaceful. That shouldn't surprise us, but they've just encountered the presence of God, the peace of God that goes beyond what they can understand, that goes beyond mere circumstances. It's amazing. So are we taking that posture of receive? Are we saying to God, God, I open up my heart to you. I open up my life to you. The second posture I believe we need to take is almost the opposite, a posture of fight. Becoming convinced, yeah, Jared loves this one. Look at the muscles. They're huge, aren't they? It's like Glenn. Oh, Jared, you think it's like you? No, it's like Glenn. Um, <laughs> posture of fight is about becoming convinced that a centered, peace filled life is what God has for me and that it's worth fighting for. 
It's about becoming convinced that Jesus is bigger than my circumstances. And this involves process. Work is required on our part. Now, what we are talking about before, about um, receiving, that's more about just letting God do it for us, isn't it? But this next one, fight, is the process. It's the walking it out. It's the work. Hebrews 4 says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And the rest that he's talking about here is about not trying to earn our salvation, about just receiving it freely as, um, as the gift from Jesus, that he's already paid for it, resting in what he's done. Now, another version of that verse says that we need to labour to enter into his rest. Now, it seems a bit of an oxymoron having the word labour and effort in the same sentence as rest, almost contradictory. But it's because there's actually work to be done to maintain that peace, the peace of resting in what Jesus has done. And also so often, I don't know about you guys, but the to-do list is like this and the time is like this. And what we feel we ought to do is screaming at us for attention. So to actually enter that place of peace and quietness and resting in his presence can take a lot of effort. So back to our story of Jesus in the boat. So he was asleep, he was at rest, sleeping so soundly, the storm didn't wake him, so the disciples did. And I love the way then that Jesus addresses the storm. He doesn't say, okay, we've had enough. Please, can you just calm down now? No, he knows that the storm is not okay. And he knows that he has the authority to speak to it. So he says sternly to the storm, peace, be still, or in this version, hush, be still, be muzzled. And the original um, word here for peace means to silence. It means an involuntary stillness or inability to speak. So it's kind of like Jesus is saying to it, be silent, stop speaking. No, not only is he convinced that that storm is not okay and that he has authority, but that conviction comes from the place of him knowing the bigness of his heavenly dead, that God is way bigger than any storm. And therefore, because he's God's son, he can also just step into that authority and speak to it. So the first two, how to, sorry, in um, posture of fight is declaring. Sometimes we just need to step into our authority as his kids and speak to the storm around us the external ones and the internal ones, and command them to be still. You know, we're called to be Christ followers, which is just like little Christ, imitators of Christ. And Jesus spoke literally to the environment, to the storm, and it was still. Is he calling us to do this? We talked about this morning, Glenn's already um, prayed us um, through that with us. It was about speaking to the environment. Can we speak his peace even to our world, to our land physically? I believe so. Now, we've talked at various times about the power of the words we speak, and this is one of my favourite topics. But for the sake of time, I just encourage you, if you haven't heard the message that Mum preached, um, Mum being Lynn, um, about a month ago, um, then I'd really encourage you to listen to that one, a lot about um, the power of the words we speak. Um, So in a nutshell... You know, the Bible talks about that the words we speak have power, you know, that they uh, have the power of life and death, all that sort of thing. But science now is actually proving that words have effect too. Um, they've shown that literally the words we speak affect matter, like they affect the, the things around us, things that we can touch, the particles and then the cells um, start moving in different ways when we speak words to them. So look, at, look that up, it's fascinating. Um, And we all know what it's like to be surrounded by a storm, whether that's stuff from other people, stuff internally, circumstances, the enemy. And oftentimes there are things that we can do to help calm the storm, but sometimes we just need to stand in our authority as sons and daughters and say, enough. Just speak God's truth to the situation, tell it to line up with Jesus. 
The next thing I would believe we need to do in this is to renew our thinking. And often the biggest fight for our rest is actually in the area of our minds. And for me, that was the biggest one as well. There's been moments for me in the past where um, peace has you know, been hard. I've been short on peace, but more than that, there's times when I've been tormented. Um, that would be a better word to use. You know, can, there can be a few different tools that we need here. Sometimes prayer for healing, um, sometimes deliverance, but there's always that process involved too. And like um, Mum talked about in her message a few weeks ago too, to have a prosperous soul, we need to get our thinking right up here. And it involves a process of inviting God in to us, into our situations, of forgiving, of releasing any lies that we've been believing, and of asking Him for the truth. So are we going to let the negative, are we going to let those troubled thoughts be the loudest in our minds? Or are we going to let the truth of the love and goodness of God be the loudest thing? And just a little truth to add in here. Um, You know, this probably won't apply to any of you, but it did for me. Sometimes my feelings are helpful, and other times they are not at all. Um, And sometimes it's useful to tell ourselves my feelings are not always a reliable source of reality. Just getting that truth was actually huge for me. That just shifted so much stuff. Another way to word this is as a question, are my feelings lying to me right now or are they telling me the truth? And this isn't just a one-time believe the right thought and you have it sorted. This is actually day-to-day, sometimes moment by moment, second by second, process of saying this may be how I'm feeling, this may be what I'm thinking, but the truth is, might be something like, I'm okay, I'm safe, I am loved, God has good plans for me, whatever it is that you need to know. A really great way to get truth in is the Word of God. Um, And I've found that just, I can't actually tell you how helpful that is and how much you need to do it. Like if that's the only thing you take away from today, then take this away. Get into the Word of God, like do a Google search, find verses on peace, or if you want verses against fear, love, whatever it is. Find your favourite ones, get a journal, write them down, and then just start reading over them every day, maybe a few times a day, until you become fully convinced of them, until they become part of you in here. And it does take effort, absolutely, and it takes an attitude of not giving up, but the benefits are so worth it. So sometimes we just need to speak to our thoughts and say, peace be still, speak the truth of God. The other key that we need in this area is to let go and forgive. And I think probably one of the um, biggest enemies to our peace is offence. We need to acknowledge when things hurt us, but we need to forgive and we need to do that quickly. See, the problem with offence and unforgiveness is it actually keeps us trapped. It robs us of peace. Oftentimes, the person that we need to forgive and release the most is actually ourselves. Letting go of the guilt and shame. No, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that we need to trust the other person again. But in order for us to be free, we need to let them go. So let's be people who keep really short accounts with others. Now, a couple of things that Glenn and I decided um, when we were engaged, when we were preparing to get married, one was to never let the sun go down on our anger. So never go to bed angry. And I think I could probably just actually truthfully say it's probably on one hand the number of times that we've ever actually gone to bed angry. Um, And the second one was to make it our goal to be the first to say sorry. Like I said in the first service, Glenn's still working on this one, you know. But um, truthfully, we haven't got it right all the time. But 
these two keys have really helped us to stay sweet with each other. And I believe they've stopped the enemy from being able to kind of drive a wedge between us of just disagreement and um, disconnection. Disconnection, if that's a word, isn't it? Um, and also, can I just say another thing? From experience, myself and just endless people that I've talked to, I think a very high percentage of the time, the biggest um, cause of offence is miscommunication and misunderstanding. Like something that would just require a little conversation can just totally turn things around. So be bold, be prepared to have a courageous conversation. No, just sort things out. The third posture I believe we need is the posture of trust. And I think the best example of this is the posture, like in this picture, that a little child takes with their loving parent. You know, that deep knowing that they can totally depend on their parent. Like when they're playing a game, throwing their child up into the air that the child will be caught again. When the child's jumping off the edge of the pool, you know, as we do those games with our kids, that we will catch them, that they won't go under. When they're hurt, that they can come to mum or dad for a cuddle. They have a conviction that their parent is reliable and is dependable, that they can fully trust them all the time. Now, as we get older, we learn that our parents aren't perfect. They can't be there, actually, 100% of the time. I know you guys were really close to perfect, but I know from experience now that, man, you can get it wrong a lot of the time. Um, That's actually okay. We don't have to be perfect. Um, Or you may not have actually grown up in a home with loving parents, but I just want to say today that Father God is different. He is totally dependable, totally trustworthy 100% of the time. In the Bible in Hebrews, um, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's the truth. So back to our story of Jesus in the boat, um, and I believe that this is one of the reasons that he kept sleeping, that he was so sure of the dependability and trustworthiness of his heavenly dad that he was at peace, mind, emotions, body, spirit. And I'm not saying that we'd be ignorant and just ignore what's going on around us and do nothing. You know, we do need to do things to help ourselves. And Jesus did that. He got up and rebuked the wind. But he started from that place of just complete trust in his heavenly dead. I also believe that Father God just wants to show us his bigness, that he's way bigger than our problems. And we actually need to choose to let him be bigger than our problems too. You know, whatever we focus on gets magnified. So focus on God. And remember that the creator of the universe is for you. He is for each person here. So once again, that picture of a child and his dad, and boys are especially good at this one. You often hear stories of boys in the playground saying, my dad's bigger than your dad, or my dad could beat your dad any day. You know, they're making their dad their hero. They're making um, him the biggest thing. So make God bigger than our doubts and our disappointments. It can be a really hard one. Um, I, can, I can't say that I've got this totally sorted yet, and I have no idea what you've been through, but I can share from my own experiences. So I just want to share a wee story with you. Um, after Abby was born, our amazing first child, uh, we were really excited about the thought of baby number two. And we planned for this baby, had the timing just right, and we were so happy when we found out um, that we were pregnant. And everything was going along nicely till at 10 weeks we lost the baby. And it was early on, but it was still a big loss for us, and we grieved it, um, that we wouldn't get to meet this baby this side of heaven. And with the grief process, there was all the hurt, lots of tears, sadness, anger, guilt, all of that. And I found myself asking so many questions. God, why me? What did I do wrong? And then the questions to God of, God, why didn't you prevent this? God, why didn't you heal my baby? And I believe it's totally okay to ask those questions, 
and it's part of the process. But those questions can also put like a massive handbrake um, on us if we don't move past them. So I journaled all this, told God how I was feeling, and that's good. God is totally big enough to handle our feelings, so it's okay. Um, but I just kept hold of the questions, wanting answers. And holding on to these questions, it actually made me feel worse. It made me feel more angry, more confused, um, and made me just begin to start, start doubting God's goodness. So finally I came to this point where I realised that I actually just um, had to let go of these questions because I wasn't going to have answers this side of heaven. So I stopped asking the questions. But it wasn't until a few years later that God really showed me um, how holding on to these questions was preventing me from just being able to like fall back into his loving arms. Um, he was trying to love me and comfort me. He was pouring it out on me, but I just couldn't receive it. I just couldn't see it because of the questions that were in the way. I was holding on to them in my accusations. And a few years later, we were really happy with our family of four kids when we discovered, surprise, pregnant with number five. Um, and somehow, even though it was a surprise, it just felt really right very quickly. Like we had people just kind of saying we things and kind of some words from God and stuff. And the kids were incredibly excited when we told them just before 12 weeks. And so a few days later, when I thought that I might be starting to lose the baby, the fight was on. I prayed and I spoke out God's promises over this baby. I felt like this is the closest I've ever felt to like a massive miracle. I just felt like I was on the edge of this miracle, that it was right there um, within grasp. And I just totally immersed myself in the positive and the Word of God and in faith. And after two days, though, came the point where I knew that I just actually needed to release this baby to Jesus. So I grieved, poured out my heart to God, and I journaled and just encouraged journaling. It's such a healing thing to do. But this time I knew that I needed to let go of the questions really quickly. And that didn't mean that it still um, that it didn't hurt or that I didn't have times of doubt, but the love and the comfort that I felt so quickly and the peace that I felt from him was totally undeniable at that time. So in sharing this, I don't want to minimize the pain that anyone has had. You know, some of you have seen some really awful things and been through some really tough things. But we have a God who's waiting with his arms open wide, ready to love us and comfort us. He is loving and trustworthy and able to carry us through the darkest times. The fourth posture that I think we need to adopt is the posture of rest. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life. You know, I believe more than, than at any other time in history, we live in a world that's constantly busy, noisy, demanding of us. Um, attention is required from work, um, from activities around us, people, emails, messages, texts, messenger, Facebook, the list goes on and on. And oftentimes we're just available 24-7. And I don't know how many of you guys actually go to bed with your phone right next to you, just in case you're needed. Um, so how can we live a centred, restful lifestyle in the middle of all of this? I think the first key here is boundaries, and I'm not going to go into this too much, um, but just to say it's really important, um, and boundaries are absolutely okay. You have permission to have boundaries. You need them. People actually respect people who have boundaries. A, a really good book on this is Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. So um, yeah, get hold of that if you haven't read it. And you have permission to say no. Okay, you, and I just want to say actually from Glenn and myself from this church, you actually have position, permission to say no. You have permission also to say what your yes is and what it isn't. 
The next area that I think we need to do with this one is to be still. And one of my favourite verses, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And doesn't it sound so simple? It can be a bit harder to do. So the word Hebrew word for be still here is the word rafa, which actually means to slacken, abate, cease, draw toward evening, be slack, be slothful. You have permission to be slack and to be slothful sometimes. And to let God be God. We don't have to be God. Yay for that. Let's give ourselves permission to just stop. So back to our story of Jesus in the boat for a minute. He was asleep. So there's a few interesting things to note here. He was asleep in the stern of the boat, and it says with his head on a cushion or in some versions on a pillow. Apparently that was the only pillow in the boat. Um, It would have been the place where the captain rested when he was on the ship. It's the only place in the whole New Testament where the word pillow is mentioned. So when something like that happens, we kind of pause and take note. Why is that important? So digging a little bit deeper, don't, also don't imagine a comfy feather pillow. Um, somewhere I read it was probably more likely to have been almost like wood. And um, What's important in this detail that Mark puts in is that Jesus was intentional in his sleep. He didn't just fall asleep just wherever he was, like just hanging around with the disciples in the middle of the boat. He was intentional in finding a place where he could rest, and he positioned himself for rest. So if Jesus did this, don't you think we should too? For me, this often just looks like taking a moment to just stop and just just think about Jesus. Think about how awesome he is. Acknowledging him, just handing stuff to him. And I find the pantry is a really good place to do this. You can just, I've got a door in my pantry. Shut the door and just take some time out and just think about God for a bit. Yeah, Jared talked about eating, or maybe it was Josh, eating in the pantry while you're there. Yeah, feel free. It may be just stopping literally and having a rest. Um, and Glenn and I went away on some retreat time last week to seeking God for 2017. And in the, the first day we were there, probably it was only in the space of about three hours, I had two sleeps while I was there. And that was absolutely okay. I needed to do that. And God reminded me, uh, actually it wasn't God, it was Glenn, so close to God. But he reminded me <laughs> of something that we had heard said, which was um, one of the greatest joys for us as parents is to have our child fall asleep in our arms. Now, just to be so relaxed and so at peace that they just fall asleep like that. So how much joy must it bring to God's heart when we fall asleep in his presence? Let's put it out there. Just another thought on this one, another key here is knowing that he sees me. It's a beautiful verse in Genesis 16 that I'll share with you in a minute. But before I do, a little bit of background info leading up to this. Long story short, God had promised Abraham and Sarah a son, uh, a child actually, but they were very old. Sarah decided to take matters into her own hands and said that her servant Hagar, together with Abraham, should produce a child for them. And this must have been, I'm sure, just a horrible situation for Hagar really, to be put in a position like this and to be required to do this. Um, After she became pregnant, though she was unkind to Sarah because she was pregnant, Sarah wasn't, Um, But then uh, the Bible says that Sarah treats her harshly and that Hagar then fled into the wilderness. Her life was in turmoil. She felt like she had no hope, no future. Then an angel appears to her and talks to her and then follows this beautiful verse, which I'll read to you. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So she literally calls God. She literally gives him the name, the God who sees me. I think that's beautiful. She encounters hope and peace when she realises that she's not alone, 
that God notices her, that he sees her and that he cares about us, uh, her. And I believe he does the same for each one of us today. He sees each one of us. So just in summary, let's posture ourselves um, for peace today. Let's hold our hands open, receive his peace as a gift that is freely given. Let's fight for this peace, declare his peace over situations, renew our minds and let go of offences. Let's take the posture of trust and come to God as a loving dead. Let's take the posture of rest, being still, knowing that we're seen. And let's let Jesus just speak peace, be still over our lives. In a minute, I want to read some verses over you. But just before I do that, you might be sitting here today thinking, I want that kind of peace, but I don't even know God yet. Now, starting this process of peace begins with acknowledging that we need Jesus. He's the source of our peace. That you don't want to do life on your own anymore, knowing that you need that relationship with Him. If you've never made that decision just to put your life in God's hands, or maybe you made it once, but you just feel like you you let it go and you need to do it again, I want to give you an opportunity in a moment just to invite Jesus, the Prince of Peace, into your world, into your heart. So if we can just have every eye closed just for a moment, just to give people privacy. And as we do that, if that's you this morning, if you just want to invite Jesus into your life, just to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your peace. I want to put you in charge of my life. If it's the first time or maybe you just feel like you need to do it again, I just encourage you just to lift your hand to him now, just as a sign to God saying, yes, I need you. I want you. That's awesome. Thank you. If there's anyone else that just wants to put their hand up, just encourage you to do that now. This is just between you and God, just showing him, yep, I need you. Okay, just let's just pray a prayer together. And for those who respond, I just encourage you to just really make this your own. So we're going to pray this out loud. Just um, follow after me. So Jesus, I come to you today knowing that I need you. I thank you for dying for me, for making me clean. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for making the way for me to become part of God's family. I receive you, Jesus, your presence, your power, your love, and your peace into my life now. I want to live with you and for you. Amen. Awesome. Hey, can we just give um, these people a clap? God is rejoicing over you today too. Now I'm just going to read some verses from Psalm 139 um, as we close. And this is from the Passion Translation. So if you want to, just feel free to close your eyes if you just want to absorb this. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You've examined my innermost being with your loving gaze. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul and understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. 
With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a Father's blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. O oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still thinking of me. God sees each one of you this morning and he knows you intimately. He cares about the details. We're just going to play a song by Hillsong in a moment. This was actually recorded in Israel. And as it's playing, I just encourage you just to take some time to make an exchange with God. Hand over fears, hand over doubts, hand over questions if you need to, and just say, God, I receive your peace. I receive the truth of the knowledge that I'm loved and thought about constantly. And just as this song is playing, if you would like prayer for peace, if you just need somebody to stand with you and just agree, peace be still over a situation around you, then I just encourage you just to come up the front and we'll pray with you. Or if you need prayer for anything else today, healing or anything, just um, yeah, come on up as this song plays. Thanks, guys.